0: Hello and welcome to Roadmap to Joy. My name is Alexis Figueroa. I'm a licensed social worker, a certified trauma therapist, and I specialize in working with adults and children that have complex trauma and attachment disorders as well as autism. And so with me to chat with me about all things social anxiety, I have...
1: Hello, my name is Bailey and I am a student and I'm here to talk about my experience with social anxiety. Awesome. So
0: now that we're all introduced, I guess let's just start with talking a little bit about what is social anxiety and how does that differ from day-to-day worries? And so I'll just kind of start off with creating some perspectives. So I think when we're talking about social anxiety, anxiety disorders, or really any emotion or emotion-based disorders, we're really talking about a spectrum. And so we experience emotions on a continuum, everything from the complete absence, so I'm not having that feeling currently, to a complete presence of I am feeling that, and sometimes that is way bigger than other moments in my life. And so when we talk about anxiety disorders, what I like to point out is that we all have a natural sense of anxiety, of worry, or of fear, because we all have nervous systems. And so we have fight, flight, or freeze, which we learn about sometimes in school. Um, And that's really what's helped us be safe as, as human beings over time. And so everybody needs a little bit of that sometimes because... I don't know if you ask me when I'm standing over a big cliff and trying to hike, I would hope my body lets me know we're a little too close and I have terrible balance. And so when we're talking about social anxiety, we're really talking about just an intensity of those worries and fears about what are those people thinking about me? What's is there something wrong with me? Um or any other types of worries. And so I'm going to be quiet as a clinician, and I want to hear a little bit about what's your experience with social anxiety, and how did you know that it was more than just, like, the everyday protecting us worries that we sometimes have?
1: Yeah, um, mostly with, like, my anxiety, I didn't really notice that I wanted to get therapy until I started high school, and I actually went to my parents to ask for therapy because I saw like some of my friends doing it and I was like okay maybe I should try out some therapy.
0: Yes we love a friend group that is supporting mental health wellness and how did your parents react to that because that's a really big vulnerable space to be able to tell somebody hey I'm having a hard time but also hey I need some extra support in my life.
1: Yeah I think my parents were very happy to hear that I wanted to try something like that And they knew it was, like, kind of a big thing to ask for that. So I think they were proud of me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm proud of you. (laughs) So when we're talking about you were saying, you know, I went to my parents. I was the one that asked for therapy. Were there any feelings or physical feelings that you were having that kind of let you know, hey, I might need a little more support in this area?
1: Yeah. So I kind of noticed um, I thought a lot when I was first having anxiety. It was just like thoughts in, in my head. But then I learned it's really not just thoughts. It's also physical symptoms like stomach aches and being lightheaded and fast heart rate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that, Bailey, because I think a lot of times, and I, you know, I work with teens and with parents, and I have m- my entire career. A lot of times, parents' big question is, How do I know if my kiddo needs a little bit more support than what we can offer? But I also have parents that say, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know what was going on until something really big happened. And so, when we talk about as parents, how do we know that our child might benefit from? professional help, I think part of it starts with, one, observing for some of those changes that Bailey described in terms of, do you notice after school or maybe on weekends, you know, a panic attack or an anxiety attack or, you know, just getting very dysregulated or really heated or escalated without really understanding exactly why? Um, But we also talk about, we know routines, we know certain behaviors that are typical. And so, like you were saying, you know, any, any big changes in sort of sleep? Or if you have an upset stomach, are there changes in eating all the things 24-7 outside of a typical growing young adult? Or are we not eating at all and that's that's different or needs, needs some check-in around? And so for parents out there that are watching, I think one of the most important things that we can think about is any changes that are outside of your child's typical or baseline behavior might warrant a small check-in. Anything that you're noticing when they're coming home from school, if they shut down more, or really you, you've lost a sense of sort of where their social circles are or their activities, or we see changes and how excited they are about things that they love and maybe they don't care anymore about that, all of those, I think, are good moments to kind of check in and just ask, hey, is, is everything all right? And so with that, Bailey, I would want to know, hearing from a teen, what do you think might be a great way to check in with a child or a young adult? And what could you tell a parent? What's a question that they could ask just to see?
1: I think it is good to ask your kid when they get home how their day was, even if they're being short. And actually, that's a good way to kind of tell maybe their day wasn't as good if they're being short and just saying yes or no. I think that's a good way to tell how their day was, too. That's fair.
0: Um, I have have a 14-year-old sister, and we've had those moments where I've picked her up to do something together, and it's like, everything's fine. And I'm like, what Mm -hmm. does that mean, though? Mm -hmm. And so um, something that I know I've told even my parents about as we've talked about mental health has been figure out a check-in system that works. And so if after school is kind of a hard time, even if it's over dinner, establishing some family routine around how was everybody's day? Did anybody have a really awesome positive point or did anybody have a not great moment that we're ready to share? And there's really creative ways to do it. I had a family once that they were big tea drinkers. They loved hot tea, iced tea, and like that was a big beverage in their household. And so they would go to dinners and they would be like, we start with tea to spill the tea. And it would just be like a really funny way to check in about what is going on in their day. And it's it's humorous because sometimes we need a little bit of humor to talk about some of the weird things going on. And so what I want to kind of shift gears to is you mentioned that you have had some friends that have gone to therapy. Have you, now that you've been in therapy and you're working through managing your social anxiety, have you had any friends where you've noticed, oh, I think that person could benefit or I noticed that that person's behavior is different because of what I know? And do you see any differences between your girlfriends and your guy friends?
1: Yeah, I think um, with the friends that I do know that go to therapy, I've noticed a difference in their attitude and just overall attitude about the day kind of shift because they're being more positive and they have the help they need.
0: I love that you bring up the concept of having a different perspective on life because I think a lot of times people think you're going to therapy to be fixed or because you're broken Um, and that is not the case. Therapy is for everybody, anywhere, anytime, um, and we can really help provide perspective, and sometimes we need that extra set of eyes to see what we can't see in the moment. And so for parents that are watching, I think something important to bring up as we're talking about signs and what do we recognize is understanding that there's also going to be differences in gender when we talk about how does anxiety show up. And when we look at research from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, they talk about teens in general have higher rates of depression and anxiety, but particularly our teens that are identifying with our LGBTQIA community are six times more likely to be anxious or depressed. And when we look at the APA's research, we see that people in general from that population are two and a half more times likely to struggle with suicide, depression, anxiety. And so when we talk about what are signs and symptoms of of needing support, we really want to make sure that we're recognizing other things that are going to influence that. So our culture, our race, our Mental health literacy is going to be different in each family. There's generational differences and perspectives on mental health. And so I think what's so important for anybody watching is realizing that your thoughts may be your own, but how they were cultivated is not just you. There's seeds planted about the things that you believe based on how you grow up, what you're exposed to, and your life experiences And so just making sure that as you're watering those seeds, you consider, is this going to be something that blossoms into something that helps me and supports me? Or am I getting my water and nurturing from somewhere that might develop thoughts that are harmful to me? And so really seeking out those supports and considering those factors are really important when we're talking about just understanding more about anxiety and general mental health. With that being said, what are some things that have been helpful to you that you've learned in therapy?
1: Definitely coping skills. I have learned so many coping skills from my therapist, and some of my favorite ones are breathing techniques because it really slows my heart rate down when I'm having that panic from social anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: I, too, am a breathing techniques person. But admittedly, and I know parents are going to come for me because they're going to be like, how dare she bring up the cell phones? Um, I think it's a really good moment, though, to talk about technology can be our friend. And so I when I work with teens, we talk a lot about how can we use this device that we are all glued to to help us? And there are some really great apps out there that can do breathing techniques with you if you're still learning. Um, I have an affirmations app on my phone that alerts me via my watch three times a day with something positive to sort of combat some of the thoughts we can get stuck in. Um, And we can also provide a lot of access to things like YouTube, where we can look up what are some coping, literally coping skills for teens or coping skills when I'm having a hard time with my thoughts. And we can also be mindful of what are we following if we do have social media online? Can we add an Instagram account that is mental health forward and can share some positivity? Can you maybe go find the TikTok therapists who are sharing different coping skills and jokes about things? Um, And can we just include screen time that can be helpful to us? What is our what is what's our background on our phone? Can that be a space that we're looking at all the time that can be positive? And so I'm curious as a teen what what do you find technology could be helpful for for you and your mental health and what are things that maybe you stay away from?
1: Yeah I think that a big mistake that a lot of teens make and I do understand that social media is big and everyone follows the same people but I think people who follow these big social media stars may be that's not a good thing for their mental health because they're comparing each other and I think that that doesn't help with their social anxiety because then they start comparing them with their friends or them with their friends or their friends on social media
0: absolutely there is I did not design this quote so it is somewhere in the universe by someone else and we thank them that comparison is the thief of joy And it is really hard because we are looking at these screens and we're comparing our lives to these people that are posting very filtered and the best of the best moments of life. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, why don't I look like that, act like that? Why don't I have those types of friends? And when we get into that mindset, it can be really destructive of the present joy that we have available to us. And so I love that you bring that up because I, I definitely think that there is something to say about as we've grown in this beautiful technological age, we've also grown in way faster and easier ways to compare ourselves to people. And now we walk into rooms and when we talk about social anxiety, that's the essence of social anxiety is I walk into a room and all I'm thinking about is they're thinking something bad about me. And that's so much pressure to put on ourselves because we didn't get there alone. And so really being mindful about what are we exposing ourselves to and understanding that I was once a teenager. And part of it is also very okay to have those questions as we're learning to make friends and we're starting to navigate relationships and figuring out who we are outside of just our parents and our families. And so Definitely being mindful to not always compare ourselves. Yeah.
1: And I also think there's a positive side to social media. Like a lot of people follow these accounts that have affirmations and yes. it's showing up in your feed. Even say you see like a, a famous person's post and you're comparing yourself, keep scrolling and you'll see those affirmations and focus on the affirmation more than you are the previous post. Absolutely.
0: And I love that you just talked about the concept of keep scrolling, because that right there, when we talk about not to get therapist but it's in my veins, um, when we talk about how do we manage social anxiety or how do I help support my child that has anxiety, um, we're talking about interrupting those thoughts. And I always say, just because you think it doesn't make it true, so you can choose to think something new. And it's, it's not always easy, but there are ways to challenge that. So keep scrolling. You can find a different account. And there's also ways to get out of the scrolling. And just like emotions are all about balance, so is the concept of technology and social media, is let's have balance and understand is this helping us or hurting us and how can we develop those skills to stop. I want to switch gears a little bit to school because when we're teens, we spend a great chunk of our day at school, and that's where oftentimes we're meeting all of our friends and sort of how we're connected. So how do you navigate struggles with social anxiety at school, and what does that look like for you?
1: So I think a big chunk of social anxiety comes from school. A lot of the reason that teens have social anxiety is because they develop it at school. So I think way to cope with that is maybe looking into a 504 plan. I personally have a 504 plan. It is a great way to kind of cope with social anxiety in those social situations.
0: So in hearing that you have a 504 plan and for parents watching in schools, there are option for essentially support plans and you can either have a 504 plan or you can have commonly an IEP, so an individualized education plan. The pathways are a little bit different to get there, but the point being at school, every student has a right and opportunity to explore if they could benefit from one of those things. And so what is an example of something in your 504 plan that school has implemented in order to help support you more?
1: So with my 504 plan and kind of um, implementing it with my social anxiety, um, I am allowed to sometimes get up and kind of take a walk just to reset and get my mind to reset. They also offer um, testing in a different environment, so your anxiety isn't taking over your schoolwork. So yeah. Yeah, those are
0: really great examples, and even I think about so many teens I've worked with where parents didn't know or they didn't know that those were options, and so hearing one are two great tools it sounds like but two that you have found it helpful and beneficial is is really great to know and just partnering with the places that teens are spending the most time in something else that we can kind of discuss when talking about school would be when we think about earlier we were talking about oh as parents how do we know if our kiddo might need professional help Um, a great place to start is school with utilizing a school counselor, a school social worker, a school psychologist, and just being able to ask, hey, near me in the valley, what might it look like if I needed to access mental health services? We want people to have access to services and support normalizing and destigmatizing. It's okay to have social anxiety and have struggles and go to therapy and make this As typical as us going to our yearly, really fun medical checkups that we love. And so thinking about that and keeping that in mind as we talk about what can we do or be proactive about. So getting into our last couple of questions, I'm curious, what would be some advice that you would give to another teen that is struggling with anxiety?
1: Yeah, so one thing that I've really learned from myself and my therapist Is running away from the fear of social anxiety doesn't really help with getting rid of that anxiety. It only makes it worse. So even if it's starting small with joining a club or joining a sport at your school or joining a church group, like it can help just getting yourself out there and feeling more comfortable around other teens and other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you talk about the concept of community and connection because being connected to other people is so critical to us just existing and humaning every day but also the healing process to know that you're not alone in these struggles that you're going through any questions up to this point for me
1: so what advice would you give your clients
0: Oof, there's so hard because I feel like they teach me so much. So um, I think the biggest, I don't even know that it's advice, but I think the biggest piece of information that I try to translate to the clients that I work with is that when you come to therapy, it's not to put you back together or because you're broken or because you're lacking something. Coming to therapy is you have everything that you need to be successful You just need a little bit of support and guidance to uncover those pieces. And so the advice that I often give is just show up as you are and know that anything that feels isolating, the concept of, like, nobody understands what I'm going through, that only exists in isolation. And once you're able to be vulnerable and and just show up, you will learn that you are so a part of a community and there are so many people that can empathize or connect with just the journey of of living and having some hard moments, um, especially as a teen. I, I, tell them I don't like to get super nerdy with my teenagers, but I do tell them, please listen to my tiny bit of brain science. And it's the fact that our brains are still working and growing and developing well into our mid-20s. And so the expectation that you're supposed to just show up and have it all figured out, um, I have not gotten there yet. And so we're all working together on figuring it out and just normalizing that it's okay and that therapists are not weird, scary spaces. Half the time, we want to see the picture of the mean person at school you're telling us about. We want to know how things are hard and we want to know how to partner with your parents and your family to let you know you are not the problem. The problem is the problem. And we just have to work together as a family system and therapist to work towards those solutions. So we have one big question left before we wrap up. And so what would you say out of everything that we talked about today, you want parents to have as their main takeaway?
1: One thing I've noticed that has been very helpful from my parents is a lot of Parents with kids that have social anxiety it can be very stressful for them but one way to kind of lessen the stress for yourself and your child is walking them through those coping skills one way to help with those coping skills is just starting it with them and walking them through their coping skills helps them a lot as they might not be in the right mind state to do it on their own at that time.
0: I love that. And I love the partnership between being a teen and mom and dad because it is hard sometimes. So I think for parents to be able to know just being present and there and walking through some of those skills. Um, And I think that goes really hand in hand with sort of my big takeaway with today's information would be if as a parent you have a hunch that something maybe isn't right, follow it and ask for help. It can be starting with a school counselor. It can be using Google to research what is the nearest best mental health teen agency. Um, and it could even be starting the conversation even with a PCP, just your typical doctor's appointments. But ask for help, Google, research, um, because you're not alone in this. And even if at the end of the day, maybe there wasn't you know a diagnosis or there wasn't you know huge red flags where we wanted to go to therapy at least still will have a partner in figuring out that journey so that there is clarity around how can we be more attuned as a family and how can we make sure we open up dialogue that talking about mental health should be as easy as talking about what we're having for dinner all right we made it Thank you so much for being here, answering questions and sharing. So we are so excited that you guys are listening and we got to do this. And to close up, please give some subscribes, some likes. If you're on YouTube, comment below and we will see you guys next time.